Tis the month of St. Patty's Day, and here's a random related fact. Did you know that the odds of finding a lucky four-leaf clover are 1 in 10,000? I'd say that's pretty difficult. Fortunately, if you're a business owner or hiring manager, you don't need luck to find top talent for your team. You need ZipRecruiter, and right now you can try it for free at ZipRecruiter.com slash Bob. You don't need a leprechaun when ZipRecruiter's brilliant technology is going to walk you right to that pot of gold of top talent. As soon as you post your job, ZipRecruiter powerful technology starts showing you the best qualified candidates for it. Aren't you just a wee bit curious to see how ZipRecruiter can help you? Well, today's your lucky day because you can try ZipRecruiter for free. Just go to ZipRecruiter.com slash Bob. In fact, four out of five employers who post on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate within the first day. Once again, just go to this exclusive web address to try ZipRecruiter for free. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash Bob. ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire. Welcome back to Talking Lamar, and in today's episode, we are talking about Christopher Nolan's movie, Oppenheimer. What are you talking about? What are you talking about? Sorry, I forgot what I was talking about. What are you talking about? I am talking to you. That's just what I was talking about. It's Talking Lamar. All I can say is, wow, what a movie. You know, at first thought, a movie about the history of what could be described as the nerd of all nerds and how he became the father of the atom bomb sounds a little bit like a snooze fest. And the fact that it's three hours long, (laughs) not sure that's the movie for me. But boy, could I not have been more wrong. Yes, Robert Oppenheimer is the king of nerds, but he's also as far away from being a nerd as you can get. His skill set was endless. This guy spoke and read over six languages, Greek, Latin, French, German, Dutch, and Sanskrit. Come on. Who does this? <laughs> Bob, do you know Sanskrit? I mean, are you, are you pretty, no, pretty that's, good on Sanskrit? That's the one. That <laughs> maybe I should have <laughs> taken that in middle school. Maybe I, I would have been good at that, but no. Instead of French. Instead of French, yeah. <laughs> But I mean, he, he, you know, he just, his mind was just, it seemed like it was limitless. But on the flip side, he had another talent, and that was making martinis. His martini had a special recipe. He has four ounces of gin and a splash of vermouth. But what distinguishes that creation is he adds this unexpected touch. The rim of the chilled glass was carefully dipped in a mixture of honey and lime juice. Now you know I'm on this. I got to try this. I share yeah, you you yeah, yeah. doesn't that sound doesn't that sound awesome? It does. Lamar, I, mean, I watched him <laughs> making those drinks and I was like, what is he spinning that rim in? It's I'm a martini. So glad what I was in able, the yeah. world? Yes. I'm so glad yes. you looked it up. Yes, 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 yes. Here, here's a couple of things about him. When he was 12 years old, Oppenhanger. Uh, Oppenheimer, he he was invited to give a lecture on geology because even at 12, he was studying rocks and he was writing papers and he was sending them in to the geology research place or whatever. So they're thinking this guy knows what he's doing. They don't know he's 12. They send him (laughs) an invitation to come speak to one of their big meetings. And so his dad, his dad knew what the deal was, but he thought, oh, this would be funny. So they take him uh, to give the speech. When he gets there, he walks out on the stage. He's 12 years old. Everybody starts laughing. They have to set a crate in front of the thing so he could stand up and speak. And at the end of his speech, 
They stood and gave him a standing ovation. They made him the youngest member ever at 15. I mean, this is 12 years old. And he is talking to geologists who've been studying this stuff for years. And they're amazed at him. I mean, I mean, I, I don't know. You, you and, have to you have to give it up to the geologists who are in the audience. Oh for yeah, showing such reverence <laughs> to to somebody who's twelve years old. You know. Yes, yes. And but they knew. You know, once he you know when he was going through the chemistry and stuff in college, the lab work was tedious to him. He hated it. I mean, he, he he dreaded going to the lab because he didn't like mixing stuff and doing all that kind of stuff. And he wound up talking to the uh, director of the Institute of uh, Theoretical Physics, phys- Physics at this big university in Germany. And he said, hey, quit doing the labs. If all you need to do is think and, and do this in your mind, that's what you need to do. And that's what he did. He would come up with those unbelievable things in his mind. And he would write it down. And he, he would find other people that could make it happen. And out of nowhere... He decides that when a star blows up, it blows up into itself, takes all the oxygen out of the air and becomes a black hole. Never seen one. And how long? I mean, this is in the 40s. Okay, we didn't even start talking about black holes for real until what, 20 years ago? 20s? I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. And certainly not in the 40s. Yeah. And when they started talking to him about the bomb situation, he automatically in his head and he told him. You're going to have to build a town and it's got to have everything you need so that the best minds will come there because they can bring their families and they can live there because otherwise they're not coming because they're going to be out in the middle of nowhere for an extended period of time. So they built an entire town out there and, and he ran the whole deal. I just, did you, did he was you amazing. Get the feeling, did you get the feeling that uh, let's say he didn't exist, but you know, we knew we had to build this this horrifying bomb because Hitler, you know, was working on it. Uh, did you get the feeling that if he was not part of it, we would not have won? Or did you get the feeling there were so many brilliant men and women? Can, can I jump there? in, Lamar? Yes. There was a possibility, and this is true. This is the actual science. There was a possibility that if they didn't get this exactly right, they would cause the entire planet's atmosphere to ignite <laughs> yes. and and earth would be burned to a crisp. So I think that the risk wasn't, would the Nazis win? The risk was, would there would ever be lose? a people's movie <laughs> critic? <laughs> would we be sitting here? Let's break and we'll be back with more Talking Lamar. <laughs> that, that was one of my favorite parts in the movie uh, when Matt Damon's character heard him talking about this the odds the odds he said what are you talking about he said well there's a slight chance that when we set this bomb off it could catch the atmosphere on fire and that fire would circle the earth and burn up everything on the planet and he goes what's the odds on that he goes well it's very very small he says but it's not zero <laughs> but it's not zero and he said i want to hear you say zero and he says we won't know for another couple of hours <laughs> so you know his his life is full of wonderful things and accomplishments and it's also full of tragedy because you know he felt bad after this happened and then he got treated bad by the political machine he was nominated for a nobel prize three times and never got it 18 people who worked with oppenheimer at los alamos 
they won Nobel Prizes on their lifetime. They could put that on their resume. They won them, okay? But he himself, three nominations, no wins. So in 1963, he did get to take home the prestigious Enrico Fermi Award, which is recognition for his especially uh, meritorious contribution to the development, use, and control of atomic energy, otherwise known as the Miscongeniality Award. That's what he got. I mean, he got nothing. Because who knows about this Enrico Award? We all know what the Nobel Prize is. The Nobel Prize got started with a guy with dynamite. You could say the dynamite guy stirred all this up. I mean, I don't know. It all started with dynamite, but I felt bad for him on that. I really did. But, you know, I don't know. You know, it was one of those those, um, things where you were watching it and you you felt sick because – they were going to get that weapon one way or the other. No matter what. Um, no, and no matter, matter what. what. And there were plenty of scientists with plenty of ego and desire to be in the game, right? Oh, so yeah. it was always it was always going to be that somebody was um, hung out to dry. And it, yeah. unfortunately, was Robert Oppenheimer. Yeah. But you, you watch this. The, the phrase that comes to mind here, watching this movie was sick inevitability it was all inevitable and it all made you sick watching it yeah 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 sick with dread sick with fear just sick right i thought his personal life did not match his this goes to show you a man this smart absolutely 100 percent great genius his personal life he got hooked up with this Jean uh, Tatlock, who's played by Florence Pugh. She does a great job. And actually, her picture and the original uh, Jean, they look pretty dang close. And really? they, they, he gets introduced to her, and they have this big relationship. It's a very deep, it's an intellectual relationship, it's an emotional bond, There's a, it's, a, it's a sexual bond. And so he tries to propose marriage to her twice, and she will not do it. So after she turns down both proposals, he marries Kitty. And but he continues he, he had this thing for her. I mean, he continued to see her from time to time and at one point when he's out here making the bomb, there's a phone call for him from her. He drives back to her house. They spend time together and when he leaves, he says, "This is it. I cannot answer your calls again." And she committed suicide. <gasps> or did she? Wow. Or did she? That's the question. Who knows? Or did she? Because the, because the government was, FBI was following him to her place. I mean, and she, you know, was, she was a known, known communist. communist. Yeah. Yes. Listen, yeah. listen. Not only was there a lot of controversy about in real life about whether or not she actually committed suicide. In the movie, Kevin said he swore he saw a reflection of um, like men's black shoes in the scene, just so subtle it went by so fast. Mm. Did you well, see you that? Know, mm. Yeah, if I didn't see the shoes, but if you watch how she committed suicide, I think that's impossible. I don't think you can force yourself to stay under the water. You cannot make I, that, yourself exactly. Do that. I don't think. I yourself, mean, somebody's got to hold you down. You can't do that. You can't do. That, I don't think so. anyone involved in this movie or this conversation thought that was a legitimate suicide. She was murdered yeah, to keep no. her quiet and to keep her away from Oppenheimer because she was a distract. Not only was she a distraction for their boy wonder scientist, she was a communist. 
at a time yeah. when there could be nothing. And that was worse, that whole right? McCarthy. Oh, yeah, yeah. That was yeah. not. That was that not was the a time. Terrible era. Yeah, terrible era. On a on a on a lighter note, I don't know if y'all know this. Matt Damon and I remember reading this a few months ago. He took a break from acting because he made a promise to his wife, spend more time with her kids, and he would not take any more roles. There was one condition: the only role he would take. And he said this sort of as a joke that if Christopher Nolan called and she goes, oh, yeah, if Christopher Nolan calls, you go ahead. Because who would have ever thought that he was calling? He called. He said, can I go? And she said, better go. And that's how he got into the movie. <laughs> he sure did. Great. Sure did. Yeah. So it was a He was terrific. He was terrific. Matt, Matt, man, Robert Downey Jr., what a baddie. Oh, oh my God. Oh, yeah. Oh. Oh. Matt Damon does not pick very many loser movies, does he? No. I mean, he was good no. with the uh, the Nike movie and the Ferrari versus Ford movie. Yes. Yeah. No, he's he 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 does he does he does. I mean, you know what? You know what else was um, kind of hard to reconcile watching the Oppenheimer movie? You know, like part of being an adult is the realization that everything is dirty. Everything. But the yeah. degree to which everything is dirty really hits you like a punch in the gut with this movie. It does. It does. It just does. And once the odds are against, once it's against you, that machine will not let you out. I thought Emily really... Blunt, I thought Emily Blunt did a great job as his wife, and I thought she did a great job when she sat in front of that committee. Oh, she was she's that a was a tour de force. Um speaking she's of a taking a step back from acting, she's taking a step back now because her kids her daughters have hit the age where she feels like she needs to be home, you know, so she'll be, nah. she'll be backing up the thing. Um, and I don't want to, I'm almost hesitant to say this cause I don't want to risk a spoiler, but, um, you know, we were talking about how every, everyone's dirty and you see it. One of the yep. other things that Christopher Nolan shows you in this movie is what happens when someone who knows it's all dirty and is himself the cheap the chief thrower of the dirt. And he thinks that because he's so cunning and strategic and because it's his hand throwing the mud, it never occurs to him. It could come back and then it does. Yes. And yes. that's all I'll yes. say. Cause I don't want to spoil it. For yes. Anybody. Yes. 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 Uh, well, on, on that note, we're going to slide on out of here. I, I'll say this. Maybe we all learned some stuff. Maybe we didn't, but we really had a great time. Hope y'all did too. If you did, join us for our next Talking Lamar. If you didn't, don't give up. You might love the next episode. Don't quit trying. Don't quit quitting. Yeah, you wouldn't want to miss that one. Come on. Thanks for listening. Y'all have a great, great day. Hey, thank you so much for listening to the Bob and Sherry podcast and the Bob and Sherry Oddcast. We would love if you would subscribe, rate and review and share it with a friend on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, wherever you go. And thank you again for listening. Tis the month of St. Patty's Day. And here's a random related fact. Did you know that the odds of finding a lucky four-leaf clover are one in 10,000? I'd say that's pretty difficult. Fortunately, if you're a business owner or hiring manager, you don't need luck to find top talent for your team. You need ZipRecruiter. And right now you can try it for free at ZipRecruiter.com slash Bob. You don't need a leprechaun when ZipRecruiter's brilliant technology is going to walk you right to that pot of gold of top talent. As soon as you post your job, ZipRecruiter 
Kruger's powerful technology starts showing you the best qualified candidates for it. Aren't you just a wee bit curious to see how ZipRecruiter can help you? Well, today's your lucky day because you can try ZipRecruiter for free. Just go to ZipRecruiter.com slash Bob. In fact, four out of five employers who post on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate within the first day. Once again, just go to this exclusive web address to try ZipRecruiter for free. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash Bob. ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire. 